0: Welcome to Always and Forever, a One Tree Hill podcast where two lifelong friends and fans analyze and dissect the greatest teen show from the early 2000s.
1: This week, we are discussing All Tomorrow's Parties, the 14th episode of Season 3, which is written by Anna Lotto, directed by David Pamer, and originally aired on the WB on February 8th, 2006. And Anna Lotto, we know that she was interviewed by the drama queens for this episode, It was very fascinating. We got to hear that she made up the term brookin' yourself, which we do not know about yet, and no spoilers. We are spoiler-free right now. And in addition (laughs) to that, she also advocated for some of the more misogynistic storylines and whatnot, advocated against them, I should say. Um, So anyway, she's really cool. We stand in a lot But another little piece of information I discovered during my research about her um, first off, did you know there were One Tree Hill novels? I did
0: know there were books of some sort. I don't know how many. Uh, did it really give more, new information about them?
1: I mean there were there were media's high ends. So I mean they're yeah. they're not yeah. canon for the story. I know like around this time like this was like a really popular thing for TV shows. Like there were Buffy the Vampire Slayer novels, there were Dawson's Creek novels, Charm novels. Like literally like yeah. any popular TV show like had like you know a novel series. But I only found out about two One Tree Hill novels, and Eniolado actually wrote the second book. Interesting. Yeah. So I don't. And, and the book actually came out before this episode did. It was in uh, 2005, I believe, but the book is called A Heart So True, and let me just read the uh, summary of this book, and I'm really jealous that I have not read this. The summary reads, Everyone at Tree Hill High knows that Brooke Davis is popular, pretty, and can have any boy she wants. What they don't know is that sometimes she is insecure and lonely, and the only boy she really wants is the one who broke her heart, Lucas Scott. Learn what this year is like for Brooke when the parties ends. Follow her as she struggles with the breakdown of her parents' marriage. Petty jealousies that threaten to tear her and her best friend Peyton apart. Heartache as she gets closer to Lucas and stops denying her real feelings and triumph when she surprises everyone, including herself, with a bid for the class presidency. See the whole OTH gang Haley, Nathan, Peyton, Mouth, Tim, and the new kids on the block, Felix and Anna, but see them through Brook's eyes, sometimes funny and sometimes sad, but above all, always true. So it's a novel told entirely from Brooke's perspective, and I guess, like, adapting a lot of the events from season two?
0: Interesting. Felix and Anna are in there?
1: yeah I think it's wow. adapted in season two, just based on like how they're uh describing the storyline. It seems like it's just adapted into season two storylines, except it's just focused specifically on Brooke and I don't know if it was told through like first person or third person or anything like that. but the idea of this book sounds really fascinating. I looked it up on Amazon. it was only like eight dollars, so like this book is accessible, but it's like there's very few copies available because I imagine it's out of print for one thing,
0: yeah, I would think so. That's interesting. So there's three total?
1: There are two total books that I know about, to the best of my knowledge. The first book is okay. called The Beginning, and it's written by uh, Jenny Marcus.
0: Huh, I'll have to look these up. I was aware that there were there were one or two of them, but, like, I guess I just never really had an, an interest. Because I figured it was just, like, recreating what everything we already knew.
1: Yeah, it doesn't seem like it's an- like, I know, like, the Buffy novels, they were original stories for the most part. Um, it doesn't seem like this was an original story, but still, it's an interesting take. It's original in the sense that it's from Brook's perspective.
0: Yeah, could, like, you imagine if the novels were, like, the Veronica Mars ones? How good those were?
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> and those
0: were canon.
1: Yeah, those actually were canon, And they ends. truly
0: added to the whole the story and the characters and everything, and mm-hmm. ooh, I loved them so much.
1: Yeah, any Veronica Mars fans out there, definitely read the two books that take place between the movie and season four. I think they were better than the season four that we got, <laughs> personally. Yeah, I agree, actually. <laughs> but, and Alana, we we stand, and maybe I'll check out this book. Yeah, I might too.
0: I'm intrigued. Always and Forever is spoiler-free, but stay tuned after the credits for a fully
1: spoiled discussion. Somebody told me that this is the place where everything's better and everything's safe.
0: Brooke, Peyton, and Haley go on a road trip to New York for Rogue Vogue.
1: Once they arrive, though, they find out that Brooke's clothing line will now be showcased the next day during the Sparkle Classic cheerleading competition.
0: Brooke decides to stay, and Peyton and Haley leave for the competition.
1: Brooke meets Solaris, the 15-year-old model who will be wearing Brooke's clothes.
0: That night, they go to a club, and Brooke finds Solaris high on drugs. Between the drugs and getting hit on by a creepy older guy, Brooke leaves the club very upset.
1: She seeks advice from a taxi driver named Zawood, and reflects on what she really wants.
0: Meanwhile, Tony, one of Nathan's basketball friends, invites Nathan and Lucas to dinner at his house. Throughout the night, Nathan learns about how a family should be.
1: Whitey prevents Karen and Keith from having alone time together. Skills, swim lessons, Bevan. Rachel asks Peyton to come to her room for drinks. I ship it. (laughs) While Peyton's there, Bevan calls Rachel to tell her about room changes. But Rachel doesn't tell Peyton that Lucas is now in her room.
0: Rachel takes a drunk Peyton back to her room where she gets into bed with Lucas. They are both surprised to see each other, but nothing happens between them.
1: The next morning, Brooke arrives at the hotel for the competition and finds Lucas and Peyton in the same room. She becomes upset, but Lucas quickly explains that there was confusion about room changes.
0: Rachel is upset that she no longer has control of the team now that
1: Brooke is back. The Ravens cheer routine begins, and it's almost immediately a disaster, but the girls decide to just let loose and start dancing on stage as a big group.
0: The Ravens boys join them too, as well as people from other teams.
1: And Karen asked Keith to marry her. Excited to find truffles in my hotel gift basket. <laughs> I'm Caitlin Illinich, and torn between two lovers. Oh I'm God. Jeremy Rodriguez. <laughs> I love it. We've mm, all talked the that... truffles. <laughs> 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 that part always gets me. Also, oh, this episode aired on like a few days before Valentine's Day in 2006. I feel like I just might put those two and two together. Yeah, that's that's a good point. So I wonder if they were trying to do, like, Montreal doesn't really do, like, holiday episodes, but I wonder if, like, this is, like, kind of a Valentine's Day episode.
0: They do, like, later in the series, but not so
1: much, um, now. Yeah, because they can't keep their timeline straight, so. (laughs) No, no, that would cause a lot of confusion. (laughs) Yeah, well, speaking of timelines, though, uh, Whitey does say that Keith was only out of town for four months.
0: Does that make sense?
1: You'd have to do a lot of mental gymnastics for that, Caitlin, but I would say yes. Probably. <laughs> if you think about it, three months for the summer, that's at least three, so I would imagine like he was probably gone like right before school ended and then maybe came back in September. It really doesn't make sense. I'm just trying to justify it in my head.
0: Yeah, I'd really have to lay that out on paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> and it'll probably make even less sense if you try. All right, like, fuck talking about the timelines. Let's <laughs> talk about the song that this episode is titled after. It is titled after the song All Tomorrow's Parties by The Velvet Undergrounds. And, um, this song I feel like really delves into the whole, like, uh, torn between two lovers aspect that the song really is trying that the not the song that the episode is really trying to drive home and the lyric that really stuck out to me is and what costumes shall the poor girl wear to all tomorrow's parties and the way i took it was i applied it to brooke at first because brooke's like oh where do i go from here so i live my life as a normal teenage girl or do i go and become a big fashion designer and then other characters i applied it to included Peyton. She's like, oh, do I grieve and try to live in solitude, or do I let my friends in and let them comfort me? And then I feel like even to a lesser extent, there's Rachel. She's like, oh, do I try to win the big cheer competition, or do I let go and have fun? She decides to be like a party pooper and decides to just be a wet blanket and try to win the competition and forget about having fun, forget about being a kid. And I feel like uh, this episode also applied to Dan, who doesn't even appear in this episode. But if you think about it, if you compare Dan to the Battle family, Dan was stuck in the past and was like it was bitter because he couldn't play basketball. And then in comparison to Battle and like his family, he uh, he let go of his basketball career to be a family man, and so it's just a. It's just, uh, it showcases that there are two different families with similar situations, but they both decided to, like, take different approaches to life.
0: Wow, you really killed the analysis today. Like, you killed it.
1: (laughs) I just kept rolling with it. I didn't, you
0: know, I told you in advance that I didn't really have much to say, so I'm glad you just went with it. Um, But I do like the question that repeats in in the song, and what costume shall the shall the poor girl wear to all tomorrow's parties yeah I think you explain the conflicts that all the characters are facing like they could go either way right they're making they're at a crossroads and they're making a decision literally Brooke's making the decision am I gonna leave the fashion show or go with my friends to the competition and the other characters it's a little bit different it's like how am I gonna live my life
1: in a way yeah, absolutely. It's like what, co- like, what costume are you going to wear? Like, who are you going to be yep. at all tomorrow's parties? You have, like, so many decisions to make. I enjoyed it.
0: I enjoyed your interpretation. Because like, <laughs> I was looking at it earlier. I'm like, I don't really understand the connection. Um, but, wow, it makes a lot more sense now.
1: Oh, thank you thank you so much Thank you Jeremy Thank you a uh, decision that Whitey had to make though was like do I be a cop block, <laughs> or do I let or do I let Keith be with his uh, girlfriends that he reunited with after only four months <laughs> I love I, I
0: love that but you put that on our... Outline.
1: (laughs) Yes. On our script, I literally wrote, why do you be in a cock block?
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's really true. And it's like, what's the reason behind this, Whitey? Like, (laughs) why do you got to be a
1: jerk? (laughs) Come on now. It's like, just let them have a romantic weekend. They're adults. I mean, maybe Keith and Karen shouldn't have been making out on the backseat of the bus. No, that was inappropriate. (laughs) Because I'm like, there are children here. And I don't know. the, The idea of just... That just grosses me out. But then again, like, they have a lot of, like, tension built up. Like, honestly, and maybe, uh, maybe Keith and Karen were really good in bed together in a previous episode. I don't know.
0: You know, it wasn't appropriate that they were making out on the bus. But I guess Whitey was trying to, like... <clears throat> it's interesting, though. Because think about the first... I'm kind of switching gears for a second. Yeah. The first Sparkle Classic, when Karen is with Larry and they're goofing off like kids... And they're not really doing their job as chaperones. But in this case, in this episode, we don't really even see Karen and Keith being chaperones necessarily. So it's not like, like, it just seems like they're in their free time and they're doing what they're supposed to do. But then Whitey is somehow, like, interrupting them, like at dinner, for example, and and says to Keith, let's go bowling. (laughs) So it's like, you're not actually being a chaperone doing that either. So, like, what was the whole point of this? Just to be a jerk? I mean, it's hysterical. It's great whitey comedy. I love it. Right? But...
1: When he, when he just wanted to hang out with his best friend Keith. I feel like that's what it came down to, and that's what made it funny. I guess so. And you then know. maybe he was just trying to disguise it behind, like, "Hey, you have to be a good chaperone." Yeah, <laughs> the kids need chaperoning. <laughs> the kids kind of did. Kids kind of did their own thing in this episode, though.
0: You didn't really get to see the chaperones, like actually chaperone <laughs> there was no like no one was reprimanding anyone they weren't the kids weren't even doing anything bad
1: yeah in this they were episode. Uh, yeah they all like got in like right before curfew i mean the only thing that they did differently was the whole the room switching rooms thing. yeah yeah because you know police and girls can't sleep in the same room together that is just unfounded Mm, yeah. I mean, I could get I could go into a whole spiel about heteronormativity, but I'm not going to <laughs> It's implied. But another good thing that we get about of that we get out of all of this is that uh Haley, because Nathan is gone, she goes to try to have a girl sign in with Karen and they want to watch Must Love Dogs. And it turns out to be a pornographic film. And Haley's like, oh my god, I missed the end. I thought it was dogs. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I know. That was so funny. I tried to look it up to see if that was like a real movie. It's not, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I thought it was cute that like Haley went to
0: Karen's room
1: and they got mm-hmm. to hang
0: out. Because like you don't really see, there aren't as many scenes anymore with
1: um. Uh... Karen and Haley, I don't think. Yeah. I-, I thought it was so funny when uh when Haley was like, Oh, I could be down for John Husack, must love dogs. Karen's like, Oh, that means you want to watch it, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, Was was that really like a 2006 like millennial slang that maybe 30 year olds didn't identify with? <laughs> I was you know,
0: that occurred to me too, is was like, was that a term at the time? I guess that was a newer term at the time. It had to have been. Like, why would they have included it?
1: And did 30-something just not understand it? Like, that just sounds... That's funny to me. <laughs> yeah, that is you know? funny to me.
0: They, but the thing is, they try to make these adults who are young parents, because they had these kids, like, at the end of high school, like, right out of co- right out of high school, and they try to make them seem older than they actually are. It's like, think about how season one Deb, how she was dressed. That is not how a 30-something, even in the 2000s, would have dressed. Right. With that short haircut. Like, she was made to look 10, 15 years older. Like, the style of it was that much older.
1: She was coded as, like, being, like, in her, like, mid-40s, I feel like. Yeah. that. Well, the actors, I feel like, are closer to that age, more so than, like, in their mid-30s or whatever. Um. However, I mean, as far as, like, not being able to relate to slang and whatnot, though, I don't know about you, but, like, some of these terms that Gen Z has kind ca- of came up with, like... Me as authority, something I don't understand half the shit Gen Z is talking about. So
0: I think I just don't pay attention, so I don't even know what the things are
1: <laughs> anymore. It's, it's because you don't spend time on TikTok. That's no, and why. I'm not going to. Yeah, so. don't. <laughs>
0: um, I'm gonna pass on that one.
1: <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, but there's so much, There's so much shit that like that Gen Z makes fun of millennials for. Like, have you heard of the millennial pause? No. So, uh, so this is something that we millennials do, apparently. Whenever we go live on, like, social media or something like that, we'll pause for, like, a brief seconds, and, you know, just to, like, make sure the video started. And, like, so whatever. Gen Z makes fun of us for doing that.
0: Isn't that kind of a normal thing to do,
1: that they just start <laughs> talking immediately? God, Caitlin, you're such a millennial.
0: <laughs> I, I, why why is Gen Z making fun of millennials? Also. Th- that's what... We're not that's even that I old. Get get yeah, th-
1: that's what I don't get to. Get Yeah, That's what I don't get too. because we as millennials, we didn't do anything to Gen Z. We did not do shit to Gen Z. Because I, I feel like uh, we're, we're making fun of the boomers because, you know, but the difference is the boomers, the boomers did shit to us. And I feel like it's, we're valid in making fun of boomers. But like, boomers are we also older. Do to Gen so Z. it's <laughs> like,
0: come on now. Millennials are like, what, 40 at, at the oldest?
1: The oldest are the, yeah, 1980 I think is where it begins, yeah, so about like 40. Exactly. <laughs> All I'm saying is Gen Z, like, we didn't do anything to you. If anything, we hype you up. We think you're going to save us, so don't make fun of us for stupid shit. <laughs> Honestly, I'm offended. <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, I am. Gen- Our Gen Z listeners are going to make this go viral be like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> Oh gosh. Anyway, Dare shall we... we move on to uh talking about Bevan and Skills? This is funny. I love that Skills tricked Bevan. <laughs> <laughs> he pretended like he didn't know how to swim and
0: You see her holding him in the pool and he's like terrified? <laughs>
1: It was so adorable. I love the comic relief. Although it's so funny how Bevan like pretends to be sick, and she does this whole ploy, and she just kicks out her roommate. Like, yeah, what the? I would be pissed off if that happened to me. Like, could you imagine? Like, be like, what the fuck? You're kicking me out. Where do did, I go? Did
0: you notice she kicked out her roommate, and then she was at cheer practice? So it's like she's claiming she has this fever, but then she's going to cheer practice anyway. Right, that too, Yeah.
1: Like this doesn't make sense. <laughs> Okay, Bevan.
0: She, okay.
1: <gasps> yeah. And she tries to make the loser sign. Or no, she's trying to, like, you know, she holds up the L to, like, tell her difference between left and right. But then she puts up the loser sign, and it's the wrong hand that she uses. <laughs> oh, Bevan. <laughs> <laughs> like, I don't, like, is this problematic to have, like, a dumb blonde? Like, that just does it so well, though, and I love it. You hey, no, it's okay to have comic relief. Yeah. Eh, but- Give her more. Give her more work. Um, yeah,
0: you can definitely give her more,
1: but um, she does do it so well. Yeah. No, I mean, give her more comic relief, I should say. Yeah. <laughs> I should say. I'm like, give her more. Give her more of this, because I like it, and it makes me happy. Especially with Skills. Yeah. I like when, uh, when I Skills was like, damn, baby, you look hot. And she's like, <laughs> oh, I don't really have a fever. That was a lie. <laughs> she takes it so literally, <laughs> so, and Skill's so face is like, "What?" <laughs> and I think he just embraces that. Like, okay, okay. <laughs> <laughs> One of the things I like about this too is that like it doesn't seem like Skills ever like you know he never calls her stupid or anything like that. He just sort of like just accepts her for who she is. Yeah, he just goes with it. Which I really like. You know, in, in comparison to, like, Brittany and Arnie on Glee, when, like, you know, Brittany was, like, the dumb blonde, and Arnie actually called her stupid, and that was a terrible episode. I never watched Glee. So don't ever do it. Um. <laughs> All right, well, I wasn't planning on it. <laughs> that's your take that should be your takeaway just don't watch glee you should you should but you absolutely should not
0: (laughs) i know you have a love-hate relationship with that show
1: yeah for real for real like pretty little liars anyway i'm not gonna get into a big spiel (laughs) let's not go
0: off on those tangents yeah forget (laughs) that
1: (laughs) let's move on to talking about uh the the family dinner with the battle family love that name love it love it love it why do you love it your last name is Battle.
0: I know it is cool. Is there a significance of why you like it?
1: No, it just—I mean, it just—it's just a cool last name. That's all.
0: Yeah, that's a cool last name.
1: And, and the guy who plays Battle—that's actually his real name. His name is Texas Battle. That's what I was just gonna say. How oh, cool! I saw it I in the credits. <laughs> He's still working today. Awesome. So
0: this storyline is. Personally, I think one of the weaker parts of, the probably the weakest part of the episode.
1: Really? Okay.
0: Um, I think it was a lot of filler, but like, I liked the idea of showing Nathan and Lucas that what a dad could be like, you know, and like a dad could have made a different decision. Unlike Dan, you know, and been happy with his life. Because all they've seen is Dan who has these regrets and then he takes those regrets and that pain that he feels out on them. And that's all he's ever done. But Battle, the, the father in the Battle family, I don't remember what his name was. But he, he's just showing father like...
1: Battle, call him that. I don't know. That Mr. Battle. Like cool name. He, okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> he's just like a better example of someone who is, I guess, a bit more selfless. Mm -hmm. he just made a different decision than dan and didn't have regrets did it for his family and that's just the way it was like he turned everything turned out fine and he has led a happy life
1: yeah and what was actually interesting too is that like mr battle also came from a father who did not treat him that way he actually like walked out on him yes and he chose to like, you know, look at that and be like, you know what? I'm not gonna be like my father. I'm going to be a good father to my kids. And I feel like Nathan kind of ha- gets that uh, same approach. Like, you, like at the ends when he's in uh, when he's in bed with Haley or on the floor with Haley covered up in covers. Um, he says like, you know what? Like, why don't we have a nice sit down breakfast like a family? Because I feel like he really, like, took this to heart and, and was like, you know what? I'm not going to be like my dad. Just like Mr. Battle was nothing like his dad. I'm going to make my own decisions and be my own type of family man. I agree.
0: I like the realization that the storyline led to. Um, some parts of it were just kind of, like, filler. Like, I don't know. I
1: feel that.
0: Like, play, playing the basketball game, and, like, it was cute with a little girl doing Lucas's makeup, but, like, did that have to be in there, you know what I mean?
1: <laughs> yes, it absolutely Shut up. I gotta say, it was adorable. blue was not his color. It definitely was his color. It matched his shirt. It looked yeah. gorgeous on him. <laughs> yeah. It was cute, but I'm like, it was this, and then just
0: playing the game and everything was, like, that whole part.
1: I got you. And the other thing, too, that, like, kind of frustrates me, just like, you did, the thing that frustrated me with, uh, episode 310, they introduce a... They introduce a black character, and then they don't do anything with her. This one, we get introduced to a whole black family. And honestly, like, this... I feel like One Street Hill has been doing this a lot lately, but a backdoor pilot, in a way. Like, I feel like it would have been cool to see this family. Like, the complete opposite of, like, the whole situation with, uh with Dan and Nathan and Lucas, we get to see a father who is supportive of his kids. And then, who knows, like, maybe, you know, h- how cool it would have been if, like, maybe in the pilot episode, the actual pilot episode, like, his dad actually comes in. Like, Mr. Battle's dad comes in and tries to like, get back into his kid's life. I feel like that's, there's a good story there. There's a good story behind this family.
0: I think there is, yeah. I, I think it would have been interesting to pursue it. The part that is weird to me, it's like they introduce this whole f- family and we don't ever see them again just yeah just like with faith so it just doesn't feel and i guess you know we're not first time viewers but whenever i am seeing this again i'm like well this is like filler stuff because like there's no progression of the story you know they don't come back we don't really there isn't like a lot of meat to the story same with mm-hmm. faith earlier a few episodes ago it It almost like the purpose of the story was to have like the characters realize something or to think about their life a little bit differently, which is powerful um and I think that's important, but it seems like a lot to have this huge you know this this whole family here at the dinner table, and like nothing ever comes of it again,
1: yeah, I completely agree, and they give this work to black actors too, what these yeah. black actors should get. Go- they should get media roles in this show because they deserve it.
0: I know, I totally agree.
1: And it's like they're trying to, like, uh, tick off a checkbox, be like, hey, look at us, we're not racist. See, we have some black people in here. We're never going to use them again. They're only going to be in one episode. But, you know, see, we have some black people. Yeah. So it's like, I feel like they're trying to give themselves a pat on the back and it's a very empty pat.
0: It is. And the fact that it had just happened A few episodes prior to this with the Faith storyline is, yeah, that makes me think it even
1: more. It's like they are trying to
0: check off a list.
1: And as we said before, the storyline with Faith is also pretty interesting as well, too, because we, you know, we get to see a, uh, a, you know, a young girl. Her mom is like the coach for Mm -hmm. the boys basketball team. Like, that was cool. But they don't do anything like they know how to write these interesting characters, but they just don't do anything with them.
0: Wouldn't it have been interesting if they like Faith was somehow connected or was part of the battle family? Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, if they had taken these two separate storylines and somehow like made it one thing. So like we got a follow up later on.
1: I would like that
0: and it wasn't Nathan's friend it was Lucas's friend and they happened to be in that town where Faith is living there and her mom's the coach and we might have gotten the same kind of message absolutely we we could have gotten a similar message if they had written it well you know that we got <sighs> in this in
1: this episode So many half-baked, like, backdoor pilot ideas. But for the record, I think these backdoor pilot ideas are more interesting than the race car one. (laughs) Season (laughs) 2. But the only good thing about that episode is Cooper's muscles.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Um, I know you hate that episode. I'm sorry.
1: (laughs) It's all good. I like Cooper's muscles and, like, Michael (laughs) Churko can, like, get it. But that's, that's all. Oh, um, this isn't related to this storyline whatsoever, but I do want to point out that this does get kicked off by having uh Lucas and Nathan walk into their hotel room together and it's like this really big bed and they don't want to share it at all, so one of them has to sleep on the floor, and I'm like, yo, I don't have time for this toxic masculinity bullshit. Like, That's a big bed, just fucking share it. And they're also brothers? Like, what
0: the heck? <laughs> Even if they weren't brothers, just fucking do it. I know, but they're brothers. So, like,
1: why are they being weird about that? Like, it's only weird because you're making it weird, honestly. Like, I went to to a few conferences where, like, I would, like, share beds with, like, with straight men. They knew I was gay, too. Like, it was just fine because, you know what? That's how comfortable these guys were with their sexualities. (laughs)
0: So. Yeah, and why are you gonna assume someone's gonna make a move on you? Like that's <laughs> weird in itself. <laughs> exactly.
1: <laughs> and Nathan Lucas probably shouldn't be making moves on each other because you know brothers. But
0: no, they should not be.
1: <laughs> whatever. I I just I hated that part. That's all I gotta say. Um, yeah. the thing I did like uh, on their when they're walking back to the hotel. Uh, Lucas and Nathan talk about like what happened at the dinner Nathan feels so much shame for trying to eat the food without saying grace and you know and Lucas is like oh you always say grace before dinner so it's kind of interesting to see like you know their two different perspectives on like how they grew up with the family atmosphere and I feel like this is the age where you really start to discover things about, like, your own family. Like, you'll you'll start seeing, like, how other families re- interact and whatnot, and you'll be like, wait a minute, like, that thing that happened with my family, that wasn't normal. Yeah. Like, maybe, uh, like, maybe how I grew up wasn't normal. And then you start to, like, really unpack some of those things. So, and I feel like that's what Lucas, both Lucas and Nathan are discovering, in a way.
0: Yeah, that's. That's a really good point, because I feel like, yeah, your late teens, you are really starting to, like, reflect on and observe other families and people, you know?
1: Yeah, you're like, your family does this? Like, oh, when, whenever I did this, my family would do this. Like, you know, just, it, it, makes you, it really makes you reflect, and I kind of liked that. Yeah, it was realistic, for sure. Are you ready
0: to talk about your favorite gal?
1: Yes, I am. (laughs) (laughs) Who's not so nice in this episode. Let's be honest. (laughs) So we're talking about Rachel here, in case that wasn't obvious. (laughs) Why is Rachel in charge of the cheer squad?
0: I know. It's like she has she's the newest member of the cheer squad. (laughs) Yeah. So why would she be the one who is taking over when Brooke's gone?
1: Yeah, and I mean she's doing a great job, obviously. But like, if Keith has, if Keith has been only been uh, out of town for four months, like how long has Rachel been a cheerleader? A week? <laughs> <laughs> Honestly. Which means Brooke also developed a clothing line in a week and made all these clothes, like in the uh, whatever. Remember, I'm, she I'm made gonna... the clothes
0: in a, like a day, not even a day.
1: Yeah, she did, because she's that talented. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not going to talk about that anymore. <laughs>
0: <laughs> so also with the whole Rachel thing, and we'll get to that later, when Brooke does come back, she is like, well, the routine's only for this amount of people. So now, <laughs> like, what? That doesn't even make any sense. Wasn't everyone expecting Brooke to be there? You know, so why would they have... They would have had a routine with all of them. Makes no sense.
1: The only thing I can try to justify in my brain is that maybe, like, uh, Rachel anticipated that Brooke wasn't going to come because she obviously heard from Peyton and Haley, like, oh, Brooke's not coming at all now. So Rachel's like, okay, then we gotta scale down the routine.
0: Scale it down. But you should be able to scale it back up then because that was the original routine.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That's just me justifying it. But did you notice the little callback that happens when Brooke joined? And Brooke was like, you have enough room for one more girl, right everybody? Just look at me and watch for the changes. Yes, That was a callback to episode five of this season when Rachel, like, you know, moseyed into the squad and said like, okay, just look at me and watch for the changes. (laughs) So I just really love that, that Brooke kind of gave Rachel a taste of her own medicine. Exactly.
0: Because she deserved that because she she's a little naughty in this episode yeah. um, between that and then the whole Peyton thing.
1: Like, yes. So
0: I get like I thought it was nice that, hey, let's drink in the room. Well, not necessarily teenagers drinking, but like, <laughs> hey, let's hang out because I think yeah. everyone knows what's been going on with Peyton. And um, it was kind of nice for her to connect with Peyton.
1: Hmm. I kind of like how it started off too, because Rachel was like, "Oh, you know, I'm not much of a listener, but I have tequila in my room." Yeah. And you know, this was interesting. I feel like it kind of it kind of showed like Rachel was, you know, trying to be a good friend, and you know, there were many moments throughout where Rachel was like, "Oh, like I'm, I'm really not a good listener. Um, I'm sorry." And then Peyton's like, "Oh, I'm, I'm not really looking for that anyway. It's fine." Yeah. So it started off good,
0: but then. Quickly, Rachel, they get back to the room, Rachel gets a call from Bevan, and Bevan goes on this whole long story of room changes, (laughs) and basically all you need to really know is that Lucas was booted out so Haley and Nathan could be together, so he was booted into Peyton's room.
1: So Peyton has the room with Rachel now, which that implies that Rachel didn't have a roommate at all. I don't know. I I don't understand that.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that doesn't make a lot of sense, but yeah, who knows? Then Rachel doesn't tell Peyton, of course, that Lucas yeah, will she... be in her room.
1: Oh, my.
0: Yeah. <laughs> so you know that's bad as soon as you hear
1: that. Uh-huh. Do you want to know it's something else that's bad, So. What else? When Rachel opens up the little mini-fridge, you know what you say place on the door oh, of gosh. the fridge? name brand orange soda watch (laughs) Er, er, er.
0: yes i saw that (laughs) i did indeed it was quite obvious
1: but anyway i kind of i really didn't like this whole idea that you know the fact that rachel started off as a friend and then she came up with this whole manipulative ploy it's like you know bring Peyton into the room with Lucas. So I'm like, how cool would it have been if, hear me out here, what if Rachel initially had this thought in her brain? You're laughing because you don't want to go with this. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> Rachel initially had this thought, like, Ooh, I'm going so I need to like, you know, manipulate Peyton into the room with Lucas. <laughs> Only to change her mind. And then Rachel and Peyton wake up naked in bed together.
0: I knew that was coming. What if Peyton and Rachel are,
1: oh, I don't even know the wording what anymore. What if Peyton's endgame was Rachel? <laughs> yep. <laughs> I never shipped these two together before that whole drama queen's taping, but ever since Hillary put that in my head, like I just keep seeing, like, this could have happened. This 1000% could have happened.
0: Yeah, could have. Wow. Yeah, definitely.
1: If this has happened in 2023, Peyton and Rachel totally would have hooked up here and, you know, they would have moved on.
0: <laughs> yeah. I would have liked to have seen a scene where, a scene, a scene, <laughs> where Rachel and Peyton are just, like, chilling and they, Peyton starts to realize that Rachel isn't too bad and, like, mm-hmm. a friendship starts to form. And then maybe that could help, you know, Rachel and Brooke to get along.
1: Yeah, but they didn't go there; they went this route. Nope. And I love Rachel being a villain. Like she's our number one favorite villain, as Vic said, of course. But it would have been so much cooler to see her have some liars I know. One thing that happens though, when Rachel starts walking a drunken Peyton back to her room, uh, Peyton is uh is sitting, in very drunk. And the stars are crying for what we could have had. I love that line. It reminds me of Luke. I, I mean, Jake. Hmm. I, I never noticed that line until this watch. Are you serious? For real. Like, my mouth actually j- like dropped open as like a first-time viewer. Like, what?
0: <laughs> huh, you never paid attention to it. I always kind of forget about it, but I definitely remember it.
1: Oh, it's so so smart. I yeah, I never noticed it. And Rachel's like, Are you sure you're not thinking about uh about Luke? And like Peyton's like, No, 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 I'm thinking about Jake. And it, but the thing I like about this is that Rachel doesn't use this against Peyton or anything. She doesn't like trying to make this into like a thing. Like I feel like she's recognizing, okay, Peyton's drunk. Whatever, let's move on. She's
0: also taking her back to the room knowing that Lucas is gonna be either already in the bed or becoming into the room soon so yeah i'm not giving her any credit there this was oh, no. this was an evil plan <laughs> and oh, no, she was so, drunk so she Peyton's drunk she was she's already vulnerable because her mother just died and like why would you do this to someone mm-hmm. why why would you this is like the worst time to do this to someone so then Peyton yeah. naturally gets into bed and then lucas is like waking up like what the heck why is there someone in my bed <laughs>
1: I know. And it was
0: a very like innocent thing, like, okay, I realize you're drunk. There was a room situation, and then Peyton goes to sleep, basically.
1: Yeah. Well, Peyton doesn't even explain any of that. She's just like, "Are you wearing eyeshadow?" She doesn't even like address yeah. anything. Was that? I think that was the next morning. Then she's so in her own world where she's like, "What the fuck?" She even says in the the next morning, she's like, "How drunk was I last night?" Yeah. Which oh, um, the promo for this episode completely lies to you, by the way.
0: Oh gosh, it does another one of these
1: things. Uh-huh. Cause you know what they do? They show like they uh they basically introduce it by saying, It's a weekend getaway where any and where anything goes, some people can get hurt. And you know what they do during that whole little narration? They show a clip of season one of Lucas and Peyton hooking up. Interesting. Yeah, so they show that, and then they show Brooke walk in to see Lucas and Peyton and Ben together. So the implication is that, like, Lucas and Peyton hooked up the previous night. That's what the promo implies.
0: Oh, wow. But if you were paying close attention, you would know that that scene was, like, season one. If you remember that scene.
1: They cut it together in such a way where, like, they zoom in on, like, on Peyton's face so you don't see their hair is different. But... Real fans now, like, I remember, like, seeing that promo back in 2006, and being like, oh, they're cutting together a clip from season one, they're trying to mislead us, got it. But during that uh, whole scene where Lucas and Peyton are in bed together, like, Peyton's like, everything's gonna be right, right? I know, it's so sad. Which, uh, good segue into, like, talking about her grief over Ellie.
0: And how, um, also, when Peyton first got into the bed the previous night, Lucas... I can't remember exactly what he said, but something along the lines of numbing the pain. Because he knew she was drunk.
1: hmm Yeah.
0: It's interesting how the previous episode is so intense and then we segue to this episode and we get like the opening voiceover of Peyton mm-hmm. talking about like
1: um I have that written down. You have it written down? Okay, you it. wanna read yeah. it? <laughs> I read a poem once about a girl who had a crush on a guy who died. She imagined him up in heaven with all the beautiful angels, and she was jealous. Ellie is gone. I imagine her with the badass angels now, handing out with them in her black leather jackets, causing trouble. But I'm not jealous. I just miss her.
0: It's pretty powerful, I think. Um... I think it was, like, a gentle way of the episode opening and, like, addressing what just happened previously, but, like, also moving on from it because the girls are on the road trip. Yeah. So I I liked the acknowledgement there.
1: Yeah, and I think it's an interesting depiction of grief, too, because I I feel like, you know, whenever you go through something like this where somebody you know dies, like, you're still gonna have, like, these happy moments and then you know what, just out of nowhere, grief is just going to overpower you. Yeah, And we saw that happen when she walked out of the hotel and she was looking at the photo of Allie holding her as a baby. Like, these these things just happen sometimes. You, uh, you're having, like, a really great weekend, you're laughing, you're having fun, but then all of a sudden it just, like, takes over you.
0: I know. Is this the first time she's seen the photo? Or did she see it in the previous episode? Because to me it seemed like she was surprised by it when she pulled it out of the jacket.
1: I don't I feel like Ellie has showed it to Peyton before, but I'm not sure because like I know Ellie I never even put that together though like she could have very well pulled it out of the jacket, like being her, yeah, her cause being we, her first time.
0: We saw Ellie in the episode where she died, which is three thirteen yeah, we see Ellie look at the photo and put it in the jacket.
1: mm, you're right,
0: so I'm not sure if she ever did show that to Peyton. That's a good question. If anyone has an answer, let us know.
1: <laughs> yeah, please. now like, I'm,
0: like, second-guessing
1: myself. I noticed, like, on the back of the photo, though, it says, my uh, last day with Peyton. Yeah. You know, that probably, like, triggered Peyton a little bit to see that, to see those words specifically.
0: Yeah. Because that photo was not actually her last day with Peyton. Peyton yeah, exactly. Peyton remembers the last day, which, obviously just happened.
1: Yeah. That's interesting. I never even like really thought of that. I thought Peyton was just like, oh, she's just looking at the photo, like whatever. But I didn't even think like wow, like she could have very well been pulling that out, out of the jacket, looking at it for the first time. She seems wow.
0: surprised. I'd have to rewatch the scene now, but she seemed oh, kind of wow. surprised. Um so then yeah Peyton's upset on the she's sitting on the steps outside the hotel and then Lucas comes out. And I really like what Lucas said to Peyton. He said, Peyton you can learn a lot from Ellie. She struck me as tough. And that's important. But I also think you can learn a lot from her mistakes. Don't live your life alone. Let us in. I really liked that because it just showed, like, Lucas is there. Her friends are there for support. And, you know, you don't have to do this alone. You shouldn't have to do this alone. And look what happened to Ellie. She lived her life alone. And she, she died alone. Um there wasn't really anyone else other than peyton that we're aware of which is really sad
1: yeah and so uh and to try to like connect this back to um any sort of epiphany lucas could have gotten from his uh, dinner with the battle family maybe like this is his way of being like hey like peyton like you got like i mean she didn't get brought up by Allie, but for lack of better terms let's just go with it you got quote unquote brought up by a woman who was always alone you do not have to do that yeah and you you know because you know he's he's thinking about uh mr battle about how he uh you know had like a rough upbringing but he decided to do things differently with his own family so i wonder if like lucas was like took that lesson to heart that he learned from the battle family and tried to give it to Peyton.
0: yeah i like that idea too that's a good point yeah I think there are just a lot of realizations in this episode and I, I overall
1: really like how it's done. Yeah, absolutely. But shall we talk about uh, Brooke's fabulous NYC adventure? Let's do it. <laughs> yeah, A few things I want to talk about on the road trip on the way. <laughs> I know what you're and... going to say. <laughs> what? I already know what you're going to say, but go ahead. Do you? Yep. Okay, 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 cool. <laughs> so on the way for one thing, uh, it's like some questions I have. It's like, did uh, Brooke, Haley, and Peyton, like, drive to New York, leave their car there in New York, and then fly back to North Carolina? How are they getting their car back? That's just a logistical question that I had. <laughs> also, I've never
0: seen that car before in the show. <laughs> so maybe it was a rental.
1: Who knows? I've, I've never rented a car before, but, like, can you rent a car and then just leave it someplace? Yeah. You could, In a different state. Yeah. You could do that.
0: Oh. And then fly home. Oh. You definitely oh. can. Oh. okay. As long as you're leaving it with that company. um, Yeah, it's with the company. Oh,
1: okay. I thought I was really like delivering <laughs> some type of hot tea there. And it, it just wasn't there. My bad. <laughs> uh, but, okay. The other thing I want to know is that... They drive into New York and Haley looks up at the skyscrapers and she's like, wow, it's just like the movies. And I'm like, Haley, did you forget that you were on tour with Chris Keller, Michelle Branch, and Jessica Harve literally like, what, two months ago or whatever? Like, whatever the fucking timeline is. That's the part I knew you were going to say because you told me before. <laughs> 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 because I think I brought that up in the spoiler yep. segment like I just find it so funny like Haley, Haley, you just don't remember that you were in New York okay
0: <laughs> maybe she's just in awe of New York again and seeing the skyline let's just pretend that it's not the first time but like which is always kind of exciting even if you've been to the place before like you're driving in and you see the huge skyline or it's all lit up or whatever and it's well, let's just go with that
1: Okay. I will tell you this, though. Because of this very episode, every time I go to New York City, I always say this. I either say it out loud or I say it in my head. Wow, it's just like the movies. Are you serious? I do. (laughs) It's either in my head or I say it out loud. (laughs) So... But it's just like, it's just, it's always like a callback because of this episode right here. That's too funny. Another thing that I do because of this episode, I used to play this all the time as a teen, the radio station game, where you ask the radio a question and then you.
0: (laughs) I feel like I've played it before.
1: It's so much fun.
0: <laughs> it was really
1: funny in this
0: episode.
1: The Torn Between Two
0: Lovers. All right, yes. new game. <laughs> yeah,
1: because Brooke asked uh, Radio, like, what is Lucas thinking about right now? And then the Mary McGregor song, Torn Between Two Lovers. <laughs> okay, new game. <laughs> <sighs> oh. Which I feel like the whole Torn Between Two Lovers was like it's head headcanon a little bit, maybe that was the universe's way of saying, like, hey, this is actually what Brooke is thinking about right now, or what she will think about as the episode progresses, the whole torn-between-two-lovers aspect.
0: Yeah, because she is torn between two different loves of hers.
1: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But they arrive at Rogue Vogue, and they find out that the... That Brooke's clothes aren't being shown till tomorrow, which I think is, like, very unprofessional. And seriously, fuck that lady. She's wearing white and it is way after Veterans Day.
0: I don't think anyone goes by that anymore, I'm sorry. Yeah. It's, like, a dated thing now.
1: (laughs) Yeah, but Haley says, like, Labor Day. And then Brooke's like, whatever, almanac girl. And I like this bit where, like, Brooke is just referring to, like, Haley as, like, whatever, like, is necessary for the plot. Like, what did she call her? She called her Tutorial Girl a few episodes ago. Now she's Almanac Girl. I love this. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
0: her names definitely change.
1: Brooke's really (laughs) quick-witted with that. I love it so much. But Brooke ends up telling her friends, like, go off and, you know, fly out to North Carolina to begin a competition, and she'll chill here. Um, But then this is when uh, Brooke meets her model, Solaris who is played by Peyton List, not to be confused with the Peyton List who starred in Netflix's Cobra Kai or The Diary of a Wimpy Kid movies. That would have been really weird if that Peyton List started this, because she would have been like eight at the time this episode aired. I
0: didn't know there were two Peyton Lists.
1: Yeah, there are two Peyton Lists.
0: That is weird.
1: (laughs) Also, uh, Peyton List... at at this time was actually 19 when she filmed this episode and they made it look like oh my god like i thought you were like 25 and the character solaris is 15 so i just thought that was kind of funny that they aged up a 19 year old like that made her i don't know there's just something weird about it to me i don't know why (laughs) She
0: definitely did not look 15, I'll tell you that. I think she did look older than 19, too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I thought so, too, but I guess that's, like, because of, like, the makeup and everything like that, but... Then again, I guess that has something to say about, like, how the fashion industry treats people. Like, they age people up, like, sex them up and whatnot.
0: Yeah, I was gonna say, they kind of, like, accelerate their, um... Their age, their experience, their... Like, everything is just... Ooh, I don't even know how to describe it. <laughs> Everything's heightened, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like they're, they're like over sexualized, and we're hearing a lot about that right now. Like from, for, like Nickelodeon stars or uh, Disney Channel stars are speaking out about like how uh how they were treated, like growing up when they were only like fifteen. Yeah, it's
0: not right. So then Brooke and Solaris, they end that night. They end up going to a club where i guess there were other people in the whole uh fashion show that were also there. Yes. And Brooke is looking for Solaris and finds her in some VIP area or something. Yeah. Like the VIP of the VIP, I guess.
1: <laughs> I don't I don't know how that works. I'm yeah. not cool enough.
0: <laughs> and she is like really out of it and clearly on drugs, and it seemed like it was heroin, so that's yeah, intense. She said she's
1: starting too much it, yeah, mm-hmm.
0: that's really intense. A 15, and year then, old
1: that, and then that guy uh tries to make a pass at Brooke, and he says he, he tries to like touch Brooke, and the Brooke's like, well, well, I'm only 17. And he's like, I didn't know, realize you were so old. I thought you were more Solaris' age. Oh, so gross.
0: That was so gross. But what they're trying to show in this storyline is, like, the industry of modeling and, like, mm-hmm. how... I mean, it's not just modeling, but I think the whole entertainment industry, period. Drugs are a part of it, like you said, Oversexualized. These creeps can take advantage of you easily because they have access to you it's really disturbing so i guess they're trying to make a point in this episode
1: and so how cool would it have been to see a backdoor pilot with solaris as well there are so many backdoor pilots (laughs) opportunities here (laughs) but yeah i i did not like when i say i don't like it i mean like it was appropriate for the show because like this you know this creepy guy he's supposed to be creepy he's written as creepy we're not supposed to like him unlike some of the other men on the show, we should say.
0: Yeah, that, it was definitely making a point here, making a statement. Mm-hmm. So, and I think it also just contributes to Brooke's ultimate decision to go back to the cheerleading competition, because, like, I feel like that, repre- the competition, and being with her friends, it almost represents, like, this innocence, this age of growing up, versus... The fashion show is asking Brooke to be more mature more, and older than she really is. And Solaris is the example of that. Like, she is 15. She's even younger than Brooke. And look what's happening to her life. Um, it's not... It's taking a turn if she's doing hard drugs like this. So, mm-hmm. it's pretty disturbing in itself. And I think that... Ultimately, is how Brooke makes the decision. I think there are a lot of factors that go into it, but
1: this yes. particular uh,
0: night, I believe, is what you know made her made that choice.
1: Yeah. Well, let's not like let's not downplay her uh, cab ride with Dawood as well.
0: No, I think that's another
1: part of it too. Yeah. Let's let's chat about that for a second. Um, Dawood, played by Brian George, who was on Seinfeld, just. Side note there. Um so Brooke asked her on the radio so she could make some decisions and then a Hindi song comes on, which I looked up this song. This song is not about what Dawood says it's about.
0: That's what I was thinking. I'm glad you looked that up because <laughs>
1: So, the song, and, you know, I apologize if I'm mispronouncing this, it's uh, it's called Mir Sapno Kirani, and it's by the artist Kishore Kumar, and um, it was in the 1969 Bollywood movie, Aradhana, and this song is not about a woman being torn between two lovers, it's actually about a man who's chasing someone he loves.
0: Really? That's all it's about. <laughs> I guess they just had to choose a song and go with it, because, like how to find a song specifically about that which like
1: and, and i just feel like there's just so many there's so many issues with that that they just say like oh let's just pick a random hindi song like you know like our audience doesn't speak that language anyway it's fine like yeah. pick whatever which i'm like that's that's kind of problematic however what i'm choosing a headcanon it as actually is that Dawood like had like some type of inkling that brooke was conflicting about something And, you know, because he overheard her talking to Lucas, saying that she missed him and whatnot. So, maybe Dawood was, like, overhearing this and being like, you know what, I'm going to tell her what she thinks the song should be about. I'm going to tell her what she needs to hear. So that's my headcanon on that.
0: Yeah, I like that. Because I think he was was in tune to her emotions at that time.
1: At the same time, they probably should have actually picked like a real Hindi song that uh, represented yeah. this, or like just pick like pick a different language if you can't find Hindi. If you can't find an exact Hindi song, like f- do something better, you
0: know. Yeah, <laughs> I also I thought it was interesting because like at the end, like after he, they talked about the song and everything, and and Brooke was about to get out of the cab, I feel like Dawood told her basically he wasn't really telling her what to do, but.
1: Yeah he doesn't tell Brooke the conclusion of the song, but he says, like, well, there's much happiness, I assure you. yeah.
0: Yeah, he says there's happiness, but he was also like, it was almost saying like, you should pursue the, the fashion the fashion stuff because like that might not come around again. That's what I was getting from it.
1: Yeah, she was yeah, he definitely was it was kind of interested. He was telling her, like, more
0: so to do that than to leave. Mm-hmm. And Brooke, you know, she took all of that into consideration and made her own decision, and she obviously went back to the Julian competition, but I thought that was interesting, because I thought he was more of an... In- I thought he was going to be more of an influence of Brooke's actual decision, but really, he wasn't.
1: Right, yeah. But then again, like, maybe, like, when, when he got out and told her the conclusion of the song, saying there was much happiness... Maybe that was his way of saying, like, hey, like, I gave you my advice, but you do whatever you want to do. Regardless, you will be happy. That's how I interpret it.
0: Yeah, I I like the happiness part at the end, because that makes it a little bit more open-ended to, like, her situation, I guess.
1: Yeah, exactly. But, uh, I liked it.
0: Yeah, it was interesting. It was different. I feel like we haven't really seen a, a scene like that with a brand new character, and you didn't want more from it like it yeah. it was that's what it was
1: he did a good job mhm brian george maybe him and uh him and peyton list could have been in this uh great backdoor pilot where <laughs> he would give uh <laughs> he would give solaris like you know there's all these advice invi- pieces of advice he'd be like the whitey of this uh fashion based tv yeah. show yeah
0: <laughs> you're coming up with all the backdoor pilots today.
1: <laughs> wow i'm just coming up with all these like pieces of fan fiction honestly <laughs> um one that i do want to say though is i really had to like uh get out of like this capitalist mindset because there was some part of me that was like brooke why are you passing up this opportunity you could be giving yourself this new life like fuck being a kid do what you want but then i'm like hold on why does it matter? Like, you should, like, you know, just live your life. Like, you can't just be a person. You don't have to, like, be successful. And you don't have to work your ass off. Just do whatever you want to do. Yeah. So, I was, like, consumed by capitalism for, like, a brief second. And I want to hold myself accountable there.
0: Interesting. Um, I know. I feel like there's so much pressure on Brooke to, like, do this fashion thing. And she didn't even sign up for it. Like, this was all Rachel's doing. and. Mm-hmm. I think it comes back to like teenage there's always pressure put on teenagers and they're so young and they still have a lot of time to figure out what they want to do what they don't want to do and I think prematurely a-, a lot of that is put on them
1: right th- exactly with
0: pressure to like get a good job you know make a living and that's like drilled into yep. your head
1: yeah th- I mean, this goes back to like our discussion on uh episode 312 as well where we talked about like you know there's so much pressure for like kids to be 18 years old and then like literally know exactly what they want to do with their lives after that point it sucks
0: it's not right Mm -hmm. and like this is more like what brooke's going through right now is more than most teens would go through yeah because how many opportunities like this or equivalent to this do young people get (laughs) like this is a really like big thing So no wonder, like, she's confused about what to do.
1: Yeah, and (laughs) I was thinking about this from experience, so, like, in in my, I kind of had, like, a Brooke moment in my senior year of college. I I had this great um, internship opportunity for, like, my last semester, but in order to uh, do the internship, I would have had to drop a bunch of classes, I would have had to give up my job at the school newspaper, and, like, literally everything that, like, I treasured, I would have to give up. And I was upset about that, so I didn't do it. I didn't do the internship. I decided to go on with college. Um, guess what? The person who I would have been working under is now actually pretty famous right now. I'm not going to say who it is. Are you serious? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so part of me, like, I feel like that was, like, part of me when I was, uh, when i was looking at Brooke, i'm like no Brooke, don't pass up this opportunity but at the same time like like i said it's okay to just be a person and not live under the thumb of capitalism
0: yeah it's hard but i agree Mm -hmm. you don't have to be like the best at something exactly to have a happy life or
1: content or whatever you want to call it yeah and who knows? Who knows what will happen with Brooke from now on? But she decides to return to the Sparkle Classic. She goes to the hotel. And that's when she sees Lucas and Peyton in bed together. And she jumps to conclusions. Rightfully so, I think. Like, what are you supposed to think?
0: I mean, I would have been pissed.
1: Mm-hmm. Did Lucas lie about sleeping on the floor?
0: Yeah, I'm thinking he did because, like, Peyton woke up and he was still there.
1: Yeah. Unless he was just saying that to just, like, you know, ease some of her insecurities, which I'm like, that's, that's valid, I think. Um, or we just, it was off screen and, like,
0: he did sleep on the floor, but, like, he woke up and then he just was sitting on the bed type thing.
1: Maybe. While Peyton was still sleeping.
0: I don't know, regardless, we know nothing happened.
1: Yeah, like, we as the audience know nothing happened and Peyton Lucas was is drunk. like, hey, like, we're, we're trusting each other, right? Like, and I like that Brooke kind of, like, lets it go. And it's just like, okay, I'm going to believe that you're telling the truth. Yeah. So, I, I enjoyed it.
0: I agree. I think, um, overall, like, that situation was handled. Uh, one thing that I do want to point out that I didn't get to say earlier is when Rachel, well, Peyton comes downstairs up with her sunglasses on.
1: <laughs> yes.
0: And Rachel <laughs> was like, well, well. Looks like somebody had a rough night. And Peyton says, says the girl who poured drinks down my throat and then dropped me off at my best friend's boyfriend's bed. And then Peyton says, you know, you can't see it. But underneath my sunglasses, I'm rolling my eyes. (laughs) (laughs) It's such a mood. I love it. I just love her with those (laughs) sunglasses on because she looks so hungover and it's perfect. And it's 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 a mood. It is a mood.
1: It's like, I don't have time for your shit. What else does she say? She also tells Rachel, she's like, Can you speak a little softer? Your voice is really annoying.
0: <laughs> it's, it's really
1: good. I love it. Oh, so good. But then, like, uh, during that same scene though, uh, Peyton gets a gets a call from Brooke. And then that's how she figures out that Brooke is there. And I'm like, how do you like Lucas didn't tell you? <laughs> like, what? how do you have no idea that she's back
0: i know i was like so after that whole conversation in the hallway wouldn't brooke wouldn't she have gone back to the room where peyton is yeah (laughs) because where was she the whole time like hiding and then maybe she went to a different room because peyton was like still sleeping i don't know that's
1: a little weird Maybe she concocted something, and she's like, okay, Lucas, I trust you. You know what? I'm going to surprise Peyton. Don't tell her I'm back. Yeah. I I can see Brooke doing something like that. (laughs) Okay. It's just so convoluted, and it's just, it cracks me up. But let's talk about this lovely coda to the song Huddle Formation by the GO team. The feeder on the board and the... (laughs) border on the wheels and the wheels are on the ground and spinning round and round I'm not gonna pretend to know the words but I love am very good with the melody but that's all I know. The entire day I just kept saying it in my head not knowing the words like <laughs> i know the i know the words for the most part are the feet are on the board the board is on the wheels the wheels are on the ground spinning round and round that's all i know yeah i'm i'm not i love this song and i've listened to it a million times i'm not gonna pretend <laughs> to know the words i'm gonna be honest oh but anyway so we're at the uh, circle classic cheer competition they do the cheer routine skills reveals that he swim less than bevin Peyton can't keep up with the routine which results in the ladies falling down but then brooke sees everybody falling and she's like fuck this i'm gonna have fun so she does the robot it's really funny it's really iconic and then the rest of the ladies join in rachel is so over it she's like oh my god like stop being children so she decides to go off stage and be a wet blanket and then the Ravens boys and the other basketball teams and cheerleaders jump up on the stage, and it's really cute. I do not like when the boys join, though. Like, I wanted to see the girls have fun.
0: I know. But it, it, it's just fun, like, everyone coming together at the same time, too. It's, yeah,
1: it's cool. I get the point. I get it. I just wanted to see more girl bonding, you know?
0: <laughs> I know. I love, like, the moment where they realize, like, things are not like, this routine's not working. So, like, let's mm. just let loose and do whatever the heck we want to do. <laughs> and I yeah. agree. The robot that Brooke does is so funny.
1: <laughs> it's a good uh, it's a good attitude to have.
0: <laughs> it is. Uh, it's a lot different than, like, their first competition in season one because, like, they were really, like, remember, Mouth was coming up with a whole routine. And they won, I think, second place, I believe. Second or third place.
1: Yeah, but Brooke won Best Choreography. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm.
0: So it's a little bit different. They're, like, letting loose this time, and think things are different, you know?
1: Yeah, Brooke actually tells the girls, because Rachel gives them a bunch of orders, and Brooke's like, oh, and one more thing. Have fun. Yes, yes, she said that. Which, this shows, like, Brooke's character progression from these mm-hmm. last two seasons. Like, this is really cool to see. Especially going from, like, this amazing opportunity where, like, it showed, like, hey, Brooke worked hard to get to this point, like, to be a big-name fashion designer. But you know what? Her, her takeaway is still, no, let's have fun. Yeah. Let's be young and carefree.
0: Exactly. And being with your friends, you know, spending time with them, having fun, like, that is all important. That's actually most mm-hmm. important right now. And the other Absolutely. stuff can wait.
1: It can. But that's not the end of the Coda. What happens next?
0: Um. So we're back in New York, and Solaris is sitting in a chair, and she overhears that Brooke has left, and she left, quote-unquote, all of this behind, and you see Solaris smile like, I'm glad Brooke left
1: and got out of here because it was the right thing. Yeah, that was really sweet, hence... You know, and, and, and you know, she, and Solaris is also getting really berated during that scene, so they said, gosh, you're doing so much drugs, Solaris, you don't have that many brain cells to begin with, and yeah. it's so, it just gives you an insight into, like, you know, this is, like, the life that Solaris is living, and this this is actually what Brock left behind, mm-hmm. a world where, like, people are going to berate you and treat you like shit. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I wanted to know that that uh, the actor playing the creepy guy, because he's also in the scene, he also was the one who gave Brooke drugs in season one. Same actor. That's
0: wild, because I never, like, noticed that before.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah. If you look him up on IMDb, you'll see that the guy's name is Sam Robinson. He has two IMDb profiles. There's Sam Robinson and Sam Robinson. Like, no N. Like, Robinson. Robison. And whoever created his IMDb pages should be fired. <laughs> oh, sorry, short. So I'm just saying, if you were to fact check this, it'll come up as incorrect, but I promise it is correct. I went back and watched the episode to verify it is the same guy. <laughs> Jeremy
0: did a deep dive. <laughs> I did.
1: But we are back to the Sparkle Classic. The kids continue to have fun. And then this is when Keith says, you know, if the rest of my days are like this, I'm going to die a happy man. And then Karen says... Marry me. And then Keith is like, wait, you can't propose to me. I was going to propose to you. And then Karen kisses him. It's so
0: cute. And I love that with like everyone dancing on stage and the song and like this important moment of they're just so giddy and happy as a couple. Mm-hmm. And it's like Karen almost didn't even ask. She says, marry me.
1: Mm, yeah,
0: and it's like an acknowledgement, like they're both in the same place at the same time, and it's not really a question because she knows Keith's gonna say yes, like it's just a given. So I liked how that was written.
1: Right, absolutely, so cute. Let's <laughs> <The> talk about <laughs> <laughs> Then we're at the hotel reception desk. <laughs> this killed me.
0: <laughs> and Whitey's like, "I'm telling you, I did not order."
1: Pornography, <laughs> <laughs> so I've never actually i mean I've went on like these school trips before, but I've never actually like you know ordered anything or did anything. It's like how does that work? Does the school get billed for it, or <laughs> like
0: I guess just like whatever happens in any of the rooms that are under their bill, like if you were to buy a movie like a regular movie, yeah, it would be billed <laughs> yeah.
1: But if Karen definitely wanted to watch pornography on her own time, like, can she pay for it on her own? Like, why does it have to go to the school? <laughs>
0: you know? I know. And it's like, do hotels actually have that anymore?
1: Is that really a thing? I don't turn on the TV when I go to <laughs> hotels, honestly. Yeah, it's always <laughs> a weird experience with hotel TVs. Like, I don't think... I- Whenever I stay in a hotel, I just treat it as like, yeah, this is where I'm going to sleep between all my other activities. I never like watch TV, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> so. I really do too. Yeah. Well, Caitlin, when we, uh, you know, whenever we go to Wilmington, we stay in a hotel, we're not going to order any pornography, but we will check to see if there is pornography. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. We'll just see if there, like, is it an option? Is a uh, Muslov Dawn's, like, a movie that we could watch?
0: <laughs> I just
1: feel like this is not a thing. I, I don't know. But maybe it is. <laughs> well, we'll we'll keep an eye out for it. <laughs> uh, but anyway, uh, back to the Sparkle Classic. The kids continue having fun as we hear Lucas's voiceover. Most of our life is a series of images. They pass us by like towns on the highway. But sometimes a moment stuns us as it happens, and we know that this instant is more than a fleeted image. We know that this moment, every part of it, will live on forever.
0: I'm gonna be honest, Chad does a fantastic job
1: at <laughs> at reading that. And yeah, like this quote is just basically saying, like, hey, like live in the moment. Like these are the moments you're gonna remember. You're not gonna remember being like a big time fashion designer. Or winning the sparkle sheer classic competition, you are going to remember these moments where you had fun and when you were happy. I know, and and
0: those those moments are the ones that really will live with you forever. Like you'll always have mm-hmm. that memory of them, and yes. it's it's really true about life, you know. Because if you think about your life, it is like a series of images, one flashing through, but there is like these key key moments that you could recall. That are the most important. I just... I love how this, like, wrapped up the episode. It truly wrapped up this episode with a bow between everyone letting loose on stage and you're just seeing, like, the joy of it all. And I think just, like, dancing allows you to just express yourself and just have fun. And... Mm -hmm. These friends are all together as a cheer squad. It's their senior year. Like... Is the last time they'll be here at this competition, and
1: it's moments like that that are so important.
0: And I just love how the quote ties it all together perfectly.
1: Yeah, it ties the whole series together, too, as well, um, because this is a nice happy ending for the series. I hate to tell everybody this, but this is the series finale of the show. <laughs> so this is the last episode <laughs> of of One Tree Hill right here you know it could really work it really really could and i kind of like that you know so wow th- th- this is just a, it's such a weird way to end it like yeah like we could have seen keith and karen get married we could have seen like you know this whole thing with like peyton and her feelings for lucas slash jake but no like this is the ending of the series you know what it is fine
0: yeah let's leave it at that i guess
1: <laughs> all right all right let's let's talk about our top favorite moments what was your favorite quote <laughs>
0: The Lucas voiceover that you just read, and I'm sad that I didn't get to read it. <laughs>
1: oh, no! Do you want to read it and do a dramatic reading of it, just, uh, just so you can? or
0: Maybe I'll live up to yours. I don't know. I'll do don't it. Really I'll do so it. Bad. I'll do it. Most of our life is a series of images. They pass us by like towns on the highway. But sometimes, a moment stuns us as it happens. And we know that this instant is more than a fleeting image. We know that this moment, every part of it, will live on forever.
1: I thought Sean McAmarie was here.
0: This is one of my favorite Lucas voiceovers of the whole show.
1: Really? Okay. Interesting. I'm telling
0: you, I love everything, so I'm just going to give it away. My favorite musical moment is Huddle Formation by the Go Team. (laughs) Absolutely. I love this song. One of my favorite musical moments. It's definitely in a top five of the whole show potentially top three um i just love the pairing of it all it gives me so much joy everything about it the song everything like the visual images of them dancing and then this quote going over all of it and then we also just had the karen and keith proposal and it's so happy and joyful
1: i love it so much i'm serious
0: i just love it and i don't even know what more to say but
1: i love this (laughs) That's why I said great series finale though. <laughs>
0: yeah, it really it could like that kind of quote
1: can really wrap up a series.
0: For sure. Yeah. What about you? What's your
1: favorite quote? My favorite quote is Peyton saying, you can't see it, but underneath my sunglasses, I'm rolling my eyes.
0: (laughs) That is my honorable mention, for
1: sure. (laughs) And uh, you already said your favorite musical moment. Um, My favorite musical moment played during the club scene when uh, Brooke finds Solaris and then she runs out after the creepy guy is hitting on her. The song is called uh, Tear You Apart by She Wants Revenge. And I really like that song because it's just, like, I don't know, it has, like, this whole grungy attitude toward it. Like, this is, like, you know, you enter, like, this dark place, and I feel like it just perfectly encapsulates that. Honestly, and this may be, like, a very relatable story to all of our listeners, this song kind of reminds me of when you go to an outdoor movie screen-in in a graveyard with your partner, only to run into another smoking-hot couple that looks a lot like Lady Gaga and Matt Bomer. And then Lady Gaga and Matt Boomer flirt with you. They bring you back to their hotel room. They have wild, wild sex with you. Only for them to end up slitting your throat and then sucking your blood. So, I feel like that, like, that's what the song really makes me think about. Wait, what is this movie? This isn't a movie. This is a relatable experience, Galen.
0: What are you talking
1: about? This is a real, real thing. Like, that's, that's just what the song makes me think about, you know, in this... You know, when this happens to you, it's a universal feeling. <laughs> Did you
0: just make all of that up in your head?
1: No. Uh, I'm telling you, this is just a universal feeling <laughs> that everybody can happen to. Uh, this could happen to you if you were in uh, American Horror Story Season 5 Hotel in Episode 1. I was about to one. say, is this American Horror Story? <laughs> all right, we're done, with, we're done with the bit. Okay, yeah, this <laughs> song plays or this exact scene in American Horror
0: Story. <laughs> yeah, it's a pretty epic song, and it always does stand out to me in this episode
1: yeah i really love this song so like i listen to this song on repeat like whenever i'm like you know getting ready to like have like a slutty night out it's like my thing
0: <laughs> and i like how like i don't know if it's exactly how the song ends but how it ends in the scene in one tree hill
1: that and is it, how the it song says ends. Yeah, i want to tear
0: yeah. you apart that that's how it ends right
1: mm-hmm yep and like the music ads, but you just hear yeah. the lyrics. And to clarify, the actual lyrics are I want to fucking tear you apart.
0: Okay, that's the explicit version.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so we heard the edited for TV version. But anyway, I just, Shani was like, I just really love that song for like this like, really dark moment. It's just like, I don't know, it, it gets me in the zone. I know this is a dark scene, but I just love it.
0: There, are, honestly, there's some really good music, musical moments in this episode, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, I also really liked Go On My Child by Michelle Featherstone And I think that plays When Brooke is like at a crossroads I believe
1: Yes this is coming back to me mm-hmm.
0: I thought that was really powerful I think everything by- they include with Michelle Featherstone Is really like Perfect Super yeah. emotional Cause she's been in a few I think her songs have been in several episodes
1: This is not her last appearance yeah. either Yes. I mean, well, actually, no, this is the series finale. this this is her last Uh year. (laughs) I'm just kidding, listeners. We're back for another episode. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Let's do our readings.
1: Yes. What is yours?
0: I give this episode five out of five romantic candlelit baths. Oh, because we didn't talk about that Neely scene, but how freaking cute.
1: Yeah. I'm so
0: happy to see
1: that scene. He's like, is there room for me? And she's like, I thought she'd never ask. And there's just something like really exciting about him getting in with his clothes on. Just being completely uninhibited and being so in love. Like, God, Naley is fucking great.
0: I know. It's like, I just, oh, I just feel so happy when I see these scenes. And also, I just looked it up. The song that I just mentioned, Go On My Child by Michelle Featherstone. It also plays when... Haley's in the bath with Nathan.
1: Oh, look at that.
0: So it's like when Brooks, she's like contemplating life in the taxi and then
1: also the Haley and Nathan scene. So it's like a really touching moment. That's beautiful. Um, I really love this episode too. I give it five out of five name brand deodorants because we did did talk about the deodorant that this uh, competition is uh, sponsored by, just like in season one. <laughs> We are not naming it because we are not sponsored by them. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's good. I love it. But I'm pretty sure that's the last time we see this deodorant. (laughs) Yeah, we're not going to see that again. So yeah, this episode's just great. It's so much. It's so much fun. I feel like it has a good message. I really, really enjoyed it. Like season three is just fucking great. We're gonna come off as a broken record. It's five out of fives. Five out of fives. Will the next episode be five out of five? I don't know. Yeah, we'll see. But all I got to say is, listeners, if you want this to be the series finale, it is okay. (laughs) We support you. Yes, we support you. But if not, we'll see you in the next episode, okay? We love you.
0: (laughs) Bye. (laughs) Always and Forever is on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at alwaysothpod. You can also email us at alwaysothpod at
1: gmail.com. I'm Jeremy Rodriguez, and you can find me on Twitter at Rodriguez Jeremy. And I'm Caitlin Illinich, and you can find me on Twitter at Miss I Reads. Outside of following our socials, the easiest way to support us is by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. That helps Watchery Hill fans new and old find us. You can also
0: support us via Patreon, where for as low as $2 a month, you can gain access to bonus content, our private Discord server, where you can chat with us and other listeners, and early episode releases. Visit patreon.com slash alwaysothpod. For more information
1: Now if you don't want future episodes of One Tree Hill to be spoiled for you, now is the time to turn this podcast off. Otherwise, stay tuned for the spoiler segment after the music ends. We'll, we'll be, be seeing you.
0: Welcome to the spoiler segment of Always and Forever. This is your last reminder to turn off the podcast if you do not want spoilers.
1: So I didn't notice this until my until this watch that Keith says I wrote it down. Where is it?
0: You know, if the rest of my days are like this, I'm gonna die a happy man.
1: Yes. Thank I you. I know,
0: I'm the one who put this in the spoiler segment script.
1: You did and You've I, never I was like, noticed oh, that's this, Jeremy? I never, I didn't notice it. It's because, you know, you wrote it down. I was like, okay, like, whatever. Like, we can talk about this. And then I watched this 20 minutes before we started recording. And then I was like, oh, shit.
0: That's also why these, this final, like, the coda, that's why this gives me chills, honestly. Mm -hmm. Between that and everything else we just talked about. But this really, like, when you know that he's going to die in two episodes and then you watch this episode expecting that it's wild like they they knew obviously what they were doing and that is thrown in there on purpose
1: it's just rude
0: (laughs) it is just rude and you know when characters say stuff like this i wonder at the time like if any i wonder if people thought that line was odd
1: I'm like I know, I did not suspect <laughs> watching this in real time. I did yeah. not think anything of it because I didn't even notice it until like however many years later. So let's today this is something <laughs> for me. Literally today, yeah. In like 2006, Sixteen, 16 years later. <laughs> This is why I'm making the joke, listeners, because like, now we're in a spoiler segment and we can be for real now. Like, This is why I say like, this could be the series finale if you want it to, because after this, like, things just go downhill with the happiness. <laughs> and obviously- I'm kidding, there's still a lot of gr- there's great episodes ahead, but <laughs> if you just want it to be a happy ending, you can end the series right here.
0: Yeah, if you do want it to be happy. And I can't wait to unpack the next few with you. Because it's going to get wild. And I, yeah, I just can't wait to talk about it with you. Because there's so much to say. Uh, I wouldn't change things in the series. I I really don't think I would. But you're right. Like, the happiness factor definitely
1: (laughs) takes a hit. (laughs) It goes away for a bit. It comes back. Like, there's so many happy moments in the series. But, you know, if if you absolutely love Karen and Keith, like, maybe just stop the show now.
0: (laughs) It's a gut punch. That's for sure.
1: Uh-huh. But if you want to keep moving forward with the series, then just watch The Fireworks, which is Season 3, Episode 15, which we are discussing next time.
0: Remember... Oh, <laughs> I just started to read it. <laughs> <laughs> remember. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and taken from our OTH DVD box sets. Remember the time capsule videos, how private they were, and how they wouldn't be open for 50 years? Sorry, guys. Make that one year. Who revealed them and why? The suspicions, recriminations, and hurt feelings begin.
1: And remember Brie Leach, our guest for the last time capsule episode? Yes. She'll be back next time as well. Full circle moment. <laughs> <laughs> I am so so excited to chat about this with her. It's going to be so I much really fun. I really
0: am, too. All right. We'll be, be
1: seeing ya. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what kind of slow motion shit was that? You were going slow too. I was just trying to keep up with you.
0: <laughs> now say it really fast. One, two, three. We'll be seeing ya.
1: We'll be seeing ya. <laughs> I, I, I'm not gonna try anymore. Like this is just, it's just funnier like this. Like you know, just keep it free rolling, Caitlin. Peace out. <laughs> Ha 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 ha.